Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. The weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm not going yet. It's a joke, Eric. Come on, don't turn me off. I I, I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> ruin you. That's my greatest good... fear is ruining someone. No, we were fine. I was just having some fun with you. Just vibing. Yeah, vibing to the music. So good choice. All right, welcome back to the Saturday Show. Hour two of the program underway right now. Jay Catch, Eric Jensen along for the ride here on the Saturday. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you are here along the Wasatch Front or even beyond that by listening on the Zone app. We are here every Saturday from 10 to noon. Uh, really recapping the week in sports here on the station, but also getting ready for the weekend in sports because Saturday's a busy day in the sports world, as we all know, and we're previewing that. Uh, one thing, by the way, uh, Clint Peterson just sent this back to us. He sent us a picture of Uncle Cy from Duck Dynasty saying, I'm in my prime. So there you go, Eric. You've, you, and you have been owned on your Rose Bowl take. I'm glad. <laughs> All right. All right. Time to uh, let you guys hear, hear from Ryan Smith. Uh, he is, of course, the majority owner of uh, the Utah Jazz, buying an 80% stake in the club uh, just over a year ago now, maybe a little longer than that. And then uh, most recently this week, officially announced as part of the ownership group headed by David Blitzer, uh, taking over ownership of Real Salt Lake, connecting these two clubs here locally. Uh, I think all things considered, a pretty much a dream scenario if you're a Real Salt Lake fan. We'll actually discuss more about that here in a little bit. But let's let you guys hear from Ryan Smith. He joined DJ and PK in the morning yesterday. Had a great conversation about taking over ownership of both clubs. And here you go. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Ryan Smith. Majority owner of the Utah Jazz, and he now has a minority stake in Real Salt Lake as well. Ryan, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> well, you bought another team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stuff works, but we end up, uh, we, uh, man, like the world's a crazy place because we originally started kind of down this road in sports with RSL and and talking to Millers ended up, you know, going into the the jazz. And it all came through RSL. And then a year later, you know, I'm talking with Blitz. And he's like, hey, this is, uh, this is a good opportunity. And I'm a soccer guy. Let's go do this. We'd love to have you involved. And, it, you know, I think the original thesis of RSL was right. It was just in the wrong order. Yeah, for sure. We had, you know, we had heard of your interest in in this, so it didn't come as a surprise to us that you got involved. I'm wondering when you go into these ventures, how much research do you do before you absolutely say, okay, yes, this is the right thing to do? I mean, first of all, it's like I think that, and and it's hard it's hard to understand this, but you know, sports is a long term commitment, right? You know, these sports franchises, they're, you know, no one gets, I mean, at least from on, on the ownership side, no one's getting a paycheck, right? And I think I think there's probably a perception out there that these, these create a bunch of, you know, 
instant wealth or this or that. Um, it's really about the community. And if this MLS team was not in Utah, there'd be no chance that we would have a part of it. And, you know, when we did the jazz, I was super fortunate to put together a couple people who don't live in Utah, who are all in on Utah. They love Utah. And it's pretty amazing that when we have an opportunity like this, you know, everyone on the jazz side basically unanimously was like, we're all in on soccer. Even though there's probably two or two of them that will never go to a soccer game or be there and willing to commit because of the broader vision and the good they see in Utah. And that's, that's special. And that's what allow us to, to go in and do this. And so um, you do a bunch of research. I mean, you got to be familiar with it, but you know, both the jazz and RSL, like I'm a fan first. Right. And so it's kind of a unique spot to be in. I'm also a sponsor first, which is, also another unique spot to be in. And so I, I think that it helps a lot. Different owners probably handle it differently. Maybe different owners, the ones who own multiple teams, handle it differently with each club, I, I would assume. But I'm curious how you parcel out your time. Uh, you're married. We all know relationships take time, effort, yeah. and energy. And you got kids. And if we raise kids, we know they take time, energy, and, and focus and all that. You got a company to run. You got a team to run. You got other things you're interested in. We've heard you on social and political issues. Like, how much time do you put into the jazz in an average week? And how much time do you think you're going to put into RSL in an average week? And how much of the research PK talks about was business? And how much of the re- research was personal because you got all these other things to focus on, too? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people are trying try to figure that out. I mean, that's been a question that you're always trying to figure out how to balance, um, you know, and reinventing yourself. I think we all do that. Um, you know, and, and I think first and foremost, no one's perfect, right? So I'm not perfect at all. And, um, you know, time allocation is hard because it creeps up on you. Like you, you say, hey, this is how much time I'm going to go put into something. And then you look at your calendar and I used to run this exercise for like 10 years where it's like, where did I actually spend time versus where I thought I spent time? And then you're super surprised that, oh, my word, I spent 20 hours this week on this and I wasn't planning on it. And we all we all kind of do that. Um, when it comes to sports, though, um, let's just break it down with like RSL first. So I hope in, in – I said this yesterday. It's like, we are so incredibly fortunate as a state of Utah that David Blitzer planted his MLS flag here. Like I cannot be more direct on that. There's only two soccer franchises in the world that have a portfolio like David does. And it's man city and it's what David's put together with six European teams, including Crystal Palace and Osberg and, um, you know, team in Belgium, team in Spain, and now Salt Lake. So, so first, just, you know, someone where it's a natural fit for MLS saying, hey, look, I want to do it here. And then we're also maybe one of, we're, we're, we're one of a couple cities that has two professional sports franchises, mainly MLS and basketball. I mean, I think of Portland and Orlando, but we're the only one where they're tied together now with one ownership. And that is also a massive advantage. David's team is going to operate soccer. 
So let's talk from a time standpoint. I'm here to help, um, regardless of ownership structure or anything else. It would be crazy to not um, want that group operating soccer. And, you know, I'm here to help. The Jazz, I'm more involved with. And so I think that that's, that's kind of how I think through it. But, you know, um, you know, the NBA has been a crazy place the last couple of years. And, you know, but in both areas, it's like we hire phenomenal people who would do a way better job than I would and, and try to empower them. And I think that you, you've seen that with the Jazz, with both Jay-Z and Ainge coming in. Um, and then, you know, we're so incredibly blessed to have Quinn. Um it's it's a pretty it's a pretty phenomenal organization and so i just try to help where i can and, and so, try to not not mess it up <laughs> yeah for sure you say that because of the location of the of salt lake city you know that was your interest in rsl so it basically it had to be in salt lake city did it have to be this owner also too that you wanted to partner with a hundred percent. And that, that was, that was one of the reasons why, I mean, Blitz called me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about this. If you're in, I'm in. And, and that's really how it happened. And, and then we started talking and it started getting much more exciting um, from, from that standpoint. Um, so it's, it, I think, I think it's a, it's a good move. I mean, this is in its short time, RSL is, has become a storied franchise and, um, there's a lot of respect around the league for what the, I mean, look, going to the Western conference playoffs this last year and, um, you know, winning a championship, it's, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting, um, and with the Academy and everything that they've done, um, I feel like I've been fortunate to try to kind of take stewardship over two amazing franchises and, and try to take them to the next level. And, and that's how sports works. There are people in the organization who have seen synergy between these two teams for uh, for at least a decade. Now, there have been people along the way who didn't see it all, and there was one meeting famously where I think some you know somebody got laughed out of the room for even suggesting it back when the team was worth 10 or 15% of what it's worth now. Uh, and I've heard all kinds of speculation about how good this can be for the business side of both these clubs – and the, the synergy, the amount of um, money and resources it could free up in selling sponsorships, selling tickets, food and beverage, uh, luxury. I mean, there's a whole list of stuff. How much of that stuff is overblown and how much of that stuff do you see and, and see that as what you bring to the table? Um, you know, it's a good question. I think that there's definitely massive synergy. You don't, I mean, anyone can sit there and think through the synergies. And first of all, let's just, let's not talk financial or business side. Let's just talk community side. Every jazz fan should be an RSL fan and vice versa, right? They both have different fan groups. You know, I, I, I've gone around, God, the last two years and ask anyone anywhere, like, who's your NBA team? They say, no, it's like, I'm sending you a jazz shirt. Like, you're ours. <laughs> like, Will you be a jazz fan? Yeah, right? We have so many people that have relocated to Utah, and it should be part of their welcome packet. Here's your jazz sticker. Here's your RSL sticker. Come on. We're choosing your teams. Here it is. And they love it. 
they love being a part of something. And so I think from a community standpoint, um, that's the first thing that gets me excited is hey, there's, there's a little bit of different seasoning going on. Um, it's, it's a break. RSL is not playing as many games. Um, and I think, I think there's been a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a scarcity mentality, but, you know, I'll just give you one touch point. I mean, we played on New Year's Day here against the Warriors, and, you know, I, we were pretty sold out. I mean, the place was electric. But that exact same time, we probably had 50,000 fans down at the Road Bowl, right? And, and if you just think where Utah's come, that's that's pretty special. And so I think that there's a lot of synergies at being able to – have these two organizations tied. And I mean, they're different organizations. We kept them completely independent. Um, we do that on purpose. I think they'll both operate way better. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard. I mean, from, from jerseys and swag to, you know, food contracts. And there, there's a lot, there's a lot that can be done on the business side. And, but, but I'm much more excited about just the connection with the community and some of the things that are working well on both sides and, and just getting the community involved in sports because in a world where Kyle, it feels like everything's just dividing us, um, you know, especially during COVID and other things like people can go watch sports and, and forget about life for a while. And we all can agree on something as a community. And it, that's why I'm doing this um, truly is. I mean, I want to win and I'm super competitive and, you know, there's nothing I want more than championships for Utah. And if I can help try to bring that, then it's it's definitely worth it. But along the way, we, we've got to get our community involved. And I love where the jazz is going with that and how we're reaching out. And, um, you know, we started the Jazz Foundation, which is the one that's doing the scholarships. And, um, you know, the jazz have always had that spot in the community, so. I'm wondering for you, how much of a challenge is it to balance being an owner so you have to be fiscally responsible and all that type of stuff versus being a fan where you want the team to win and you may have connections to individuals that you may have to part with? Um, well, look, the NBA, for example, is, is a really unique spot right now. I would say over the last five years, the NBA looks very different than it's ever looked. You know, if you look at the ownership groups in the NBA, these these owners are not messing around. Um, if I look at the peer group out there, whether it's Balmer, it's Cuban, um, you know, I can just go group by group. Um, what you saw in Milwaukee, um, you know, it's not just a couple of ownership groups. Um, Brooklyn with Josai, they're they're in it to win it, and. You know, you've got you've got two teams this year that are further over the salary cap than all and then the luxury tax than every team combined last year, which is crazy. Um, you know, with with Brooklyn and and you know the the Warriors, and so I think I think the ultimate goal is that we we really truly try to win and take this to the next level, and the Jazz are such a stable organization i mean um and and we want that stability but it's also very very difficult to go from 
you know, good to great, right? And, you know, a lot of the reason for, um, you know, me wanting to tap Danny is because he's an individual that's been able to do that and he's at a point in his career where there's not a lot of ego and he just wants to come in and help and he's here. And, um, you know, you got one of the best basketball minds in the world who's had one of the most stable franchises and has more playoff wins than than anyone the last 15 years. And, you know, how do we get from good to great? And and we're there. And kind of never – you never know. Like, no one would have predicted what happened last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I like our guys. I like our spot. And it's um, – we're pretty fortunate. Um, I'm pretty fortunate to be a sports fan in Utah right now. Ryan Smith joining us, Jazz majority owner, and now he has a minority stake in Real Salt Lake as well. Uh, there were a lot of owners who took a big hit during COVID. Live events took a big hit. Do you feel like, and, and you probably know more because I think the commissioners and the owners have access to a lot of information, do you feel like that you're at the tail end of that right now? Do you feel like you're in the middle of it and financially you're still going to be battling this going forward? What do you, what do you think? Man, it's. I feel like every time we feel like we're – we're turning a corner. Um, this happens, and it's it's a hard year for hard couple of years for for just so many people, and there's so much suffering that's been going on. But um, you know, I think we're learning as a as a society to kind of try to work through this. And you know, I I, I love the idea of having people together. I mean, when we came out, you know there's, I mean, we see the backlash when we say, Hey, you got to be vaccinated. You got to be tested in the arena and COVID's over. And then here we are today, right. Where we've got players who are testing positive. We're, we're up in Toronto tonight where the entire city shut down. And I'm just grateful for our fan base and our community for trying to do their part in keeping it open because, you know, we could very, very easily be in a spot where we don't have live events. And that's just not good or sustainable for anyone. And so I think, um, you know, I appreciate Utah for, for kind of leaning in and, and trying to help get through it because it's it's unprecedented. I mean, no one's been through this before. And, you know, it's hard. And there's a lot that a lot of people don't understand. And so I think we're all just kind of leaning in together, and I think what Adam Silver just came out and did and said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have to learn to play through this, whether it's ten day contracts or whatever else. Like the show's gonna go on." Um, whereas, you know, and we were part. Of, I mean, we shut down the world, not just the NBA, but the Utah Jazz. Like that was the tipping point to say, "Hey, look, we're in we're in Oklahoma City," and and. Um, Everything kind of, oh, wow, this is serious. So we're taking a different approach. Um, and, and fortunately, um, we've been able to do it. But health and safety are our first priority. And, and it's challenging, man. And it, it, it takes a toll on everyone. I mean, I would say the last two years in the NBA are, are equivalent to five years. <laughs> and, and, you know, coaching players, like, it's hard. It is hard. And you know, the travel, not knowing who's playing, not knowing, you know, testing, landing in a city at two in the morning. And instead of going to bed, it's, 
you know, wake up at six and test so you can get your test back. It's, it, it's a grind and it, and it truly has taken a toll on mental health and everything else. And so everyone's just trying to get through it. I think the biggest surprise for me, Ryan, is why aren't you in Maui with Tony? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, uh, is caddy Mark's got to get back on the bag and get a little rhythm with him, right? Like we want, we want everyone to, to feel good about where they stand, <laughs> but he, uh, look, I hope, uh, we had a good little run there, man. I mean, on Saturday <laughs> it, it, in, in, uh, the Bahamas, like we, we got it going. That course is just super tough. The wind started coming and Tony hit the ball so good. And, you know, it was we had some serious warning track power that week where we where where it was it was going. And even on even on Sunday on the weekend, like we, we had a good chance to do it. But it was what an amazing experience. There's not a better human than Tony Finau. Um, you know, we played a lot of golf together. I've I've been in tournament play next to him and you know, he called me and was just like, Hey, I need you and I was like, All right uh, but I had no idea that we'd be racing into contention on Saturday. I was just trying to not lose clubs. And I mean, the first day, I think I lost like two head covers and <laughs> didn't break. So I was just, but it was, it was super funny because the next day we, we actually ended up playing with Patrick Reed and he's like, how many strokes did Ryan cost you yesterday? <laughs> like, man, maybe one or two. He's like, Oh great. My caddy's normally four or five. So I, I felt better. And, you know, but it's it's crazy to be out there. Yeah, you, you basically had the Ryder Cup out there with the top twenty players in the world and and um, the top twenty caddies in the world. And you know, it's intimidating when you're sitting there and Bones is next to you and you're trying to hey, will you, will you grab the bunker? Will you get yardage? But but Tony keeps it so cool. It's, what you see is what you get. He's probably one of the most chill humans in the world. And that's why he's so good at golf. Like he just he can shake it off. And there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons there, man. I mean, on Sunday we played with Scotty Scheffler, who triple bogeyed the third hole, and he's talking to me like nothing happened on the way over, and then he goes and rips off nine birdies in a row and takes second of the tournament. There you go, Ryan Smith, and uh, he's talking about Tony Finau there. He's playing in the Tournament of Champions, the Century Tournament of Champions, over there at Kapalua in Maui. We actually get to that here in a moment in five minutes. Up, I thought it was a great conversation overall with Ryan, a guy who I think understands what this state means to people who live here, the teams that are here, etc. So good stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want to listen to it in its entirety, you can go and uh, find it DJ and PK in the morning. You can listen to the entirety of that conversation if you want to go back and listen to it once again. All right. Uh, more in a moment. We'll get to five minutes of one of our favorite segments here on the Saturday show. That's all coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network brought to you by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. We are getting close to the end of today's show, but we still need to get to our five minutes of and 
talk about some of the other topics we haven't had have not had a chance to touch on quite yet today. And let's start where we typically start, and let's start with some sake. Chance to play it through for Lucas Moura. Straight race with Anderson. into double figures for the season in all competitions. It may be only three in the Premier League, but there are clear signs of rapid improvement this season for Harry Kane. Controls near the corner, now tries to pull away from Barry. Rat to the top, gives here to Hughes. Jack Hughes shooting! He Emerson Royale, well forward here. And Lucas Moura! Having just made the first, he's just scored the second. What a brilliant couple of minutes for Tottenham. Here's the Bruyne. And Foden! Therein lies the lesson. You can go close against Manchester City. But if you fail to hit the target, they will punish you. It is being checked by VAR. But Phil Foden stands to be the scorer of the opening goal on his return to the team. And Thomas Frank is left pounding his desk in frustration. Jen Mueller, along with our great crew, Mark Giordano, who started the scoring. McCann on the doorstep, they score! Lightning win that face off here to start the power play. Shot by Stamkos. He scores! Steven Stamkos rips it home. Six seconds into the power play. Had been fed him. And before Shesterkin can move, it was flying in and out of the net. There you go. Highlights from both the soccer and hockey worlds out there. We combine the two of them into one tidy little uh, package and call it Saki. Uh, let's start off on the hockey front here, Eric. Uh, I think the biggest thing is your Colorado Avalanche are quite hot all of a sudden. Rolling. <laughs> Rolling. I mean, they're arguably the best scoring team in the NHL. Uh I don't know if you watched Hockey Night on Tuesday night, uh, but ESPN Plus had Blackhawks Avalanche wasn't blacked out. Thank you very much, ESPN Plus, for giving me some nationally broadcast Avalanche games. I appreciate that. Uh, Kale McCarr with just one of the craziest goals you'll ever see, spinning away from a defender and then putting it up in the top shelf backhand. But no. NHL season, it's kind of the thick of things right now. This is when the standings get determined is these next few weeks where everything's going to be, you know, kind of up and down and you might see some surprising results, but the level of play is really going to amp up within the next month or so around President's Day. That's when the best time to watch hockey is. 
Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, one other note on that is Alexander Ovechkin. He's 36 years old. The record, so the great one, obviously, Wayne Gretzky's record, his scoring record, is in sight for him. Well, Ovi, uh, the great eight, is getting even better, it seems like. He's, he, I think he's going to break that record. I, I think yep, he is. I think so, too. So some crazy stuff there. Okay, on the soccer front, as you just heard, Real Salt Lake uh, purchased by a group headed by David Blitzer. Uh, he has a very unique uh, network. As you heard uh, Ryan Smith in the previous segment talking about, this dude owns or has stakes in six uh, clubs in Europe. This is his first stake in North American soccer with Real Salt Lake. Uh, he's building something that seems like similar to what Man City has done with clubs around the world, but I think... The overall message I take away from this is David Blitzer has big plans for Real Salt Lake, and it's cool to have a local connection with Ryan Smith, kind of that anchor to keep the club here. I didn't think they were in any danger of moving to begin with, but I just think it's really cool to have ownership finally in place after a 15-month saga of getting that taken care of. But it's good to finally know that RSL is in capable hands. Let's just put it that way. So. Uh, good stuff for RSL on that front. Uh, Eric, I'm sure you've seen these as well. Albert Rusnok is yeah. just rumored to be going everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. I know he loves living here in Utah. I'd be stunned if he goes elsewhere. Okay. It, it, obviously, it all goes it, money's, yeah, money talks. That helps to hear uh, from from someone who who's a little bit closer to the inside information than I am for RSL. But, you know, I think – the best thing that David Blitzer can do is make a commitment to the players that are on the roster right now and then go out and use use the DP spot. Yeah. Because the the Real Salt Lake just hasn't for years. Albert Rusnak was the last guy they brought in on that kind of a deal. Yeah. Like, go get another guy. Go bring in another guy to play beside Demir Krylock and, you know, Albert Rusnak and get your big three up front or get a defender or a, a, a special midfielder and go out and suddenly getting to the Western Conference Finals wasn't such a fluke. You now have one of the better teams in the Western Conference. I think having the cash influx that they got with the ownership group will actually lead them to do that. And I, Let's be honest, uh, David Blitzer, he's got clubs all around the world. He knows what this sport is all about, and it's all about having top uh, top players. And I think they'll, they'll do that. Um, one other note on soccer before we move on to some other topics. Toronto FC has signed yeah. Lorenzo Insigne. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, from Napoli, uh, from Serie A in Italy. Uh, Insigne is a player that you don't typically see come to MLS at this point in his career. He's 30 years old. He's in yeah, prime. Yeah, he's in his prime. He's world-class by every metric and incredible he could earn as much as 12.5 million dollars a year joining toronto fc and toronto just continues to pull off these huge signings i don't know what it is but they just do this time in and time out uh bill manning former club president here in salt lake is still with toronto fc uh he helped uh do this and also bob bradley uh is taking over as head coach there in toronto well, he's got a star forward. Uh, there's no st- doubt about that. Uh, Insigne has made over 400 appearances since graduating from Napoli's Academy, making his senior debut in 2010. Uh, he's become a staple for them over the past decade. He's won the Italian Cup twice. He's also played for Italy at the international level, 10 goals and 53 caps, and obviously won the Euro 2020 last year with Italy as well. So huge signing for Toronto FC in Major League Soccer news. Now, other uh, things in five minutes of here, let's spend some time on uh, golf. 
the season has unofficially officially begun. I know that the PGA Tour starts their season in the fall, technically. They play a bunch of also ran tournaments with like nobody really playing in them. Uh, but the I think the real season starts and starts this weekend. It started Thursday with the Century Tournament of Champions at Kapalua over there in Hawaii. Uh, pictures and video I've seen. I've watched actually watched quite a bit of, of the action yesterday. Whew, makes me just regret even watching golf because it's just it looks glorious. Yeah, I bet it, it it'd be fun to go play golf in Hawaii. I have Who played, would have thought? I've played golf in Hawaii. I have played golf in Hawaii. It's glorious. I'm just saying, here in Utah, we got snow on the ground, and yeah. then watching that, she's just like, why am I why am I torturing myself? Why am I doing this to myself? Yeah, it's not great. But nonetheless, Cameron Smith uh, leads the tournament currently. A third round action will get underway later this afternoon. I think the earliest tee time is actually yeah 12:50. Uh, the funny thing about this is Hawaii. It's so far behind. Uh, in terms of the time zones, you actually get golf in prime time uh, in the continental United States. So first tee times at 1250. Uh, Tony Finau is the only local connection playing this by virtue of his win at the Northern Trust last year. Uh, Finau was way back in the field, tied for 27th at 7 under par, 10 strokes behind Cameron Smith, who was at 17 under. Daniel Berger and John Rahm are three strokes back uh, at 14 under in that tournament. Uh, so... Fun to have golf playing. And by the way, so current weather in uh, Kapalua on uh, island of Maui. Eric, any guesses on what the temperature is currently there in Kapalua? A crisp 68 degrees. Try 79. 79. Wow. <laughs> Just sounds glorious. I I, I don't know. It, it, I, I torture myself by watching golf this time of year. I, I actually got to the driving range yesterday. I had to go to the driving range. That was fun. Got to, got to swing the sticks a little bit. So I know one thing uh, that tips off while we're talking about country club sports is country club is, sports. I like that country club sports. Good call. Tennis, you know, start very majors start in about two weeks or so. The no, Australian com- Open coming up in the next week or so. Yeah, the yeah Australian Open opens up. Uh, when's the first major for golf this year? It's the Masters. It's always in April. Okay, so the Masters is always the first one. Yes, yeah. See, I feel like that's wrong. I feel like it's the How most... How is that Im- wrong? It's the perfect it's one the to kick it off. the most important one. It should be the last one. Hey, lead off, man. That's what you want. You want that, big okay. dog number one. Got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for the Masters. It's fun. Uh, yeah. So the, I'm uh, going to try to watch this year. You're going to try to watch? Yeah, I'm going to try to watch and not fall asleep. Do or do not, there is no try. I'm going to do my best. No, do or do not, there is no try. Fine, I'll do it. (laughs) All right, that's what we like to hear. All right, we will round out today's show here in just a moment. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Eric, you're not trying to roast me this week, huh? Not this week. I think there's some good material from this week that we can snowball uh, into next week. I just needed some weeks to get. Let's just kill it. Let's just not not do that moving forward. Okay? Fine. If you want. <laughs> we can shut it down. Come on. You're supposed to be the producer. Like, no, I'm doing that anyways. Come on now. Well, I just want to have friends. Uh, at the you, end of the day. You do have friends. Come on. We're all friends around here. Of course. 
Uh, thanks to all of you for joining us here on the Saturday show. And of course, the Saturday show is proudly presented by our friends at Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. All right, as we round out today's show, uh, I talked earlier about the Utah Jazz and What I thought, frankly, was an astonishing performance for them last night. Despite the loss in Toronto, the Jazz, I'm calling them the B-side squad. They just did not have their typical guys, their top eight players. And some may quibble that uh, you'd have Hassan Whiteside inside the top of it. The Jazz rotation is nine guys. The only guy in that rotation uh, was Hassan Whiteside, who played last night. And I thought, frankly, that squad performed beyond my expectations, I think beyond most of Jazz Nation's expectations. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, had a first-half lead that carried on into the second half before the Toronto Raptors said, you know what, we actually may want to play this game and win it. And credit to Toronto, they did. And credit to Fred Van Vliet. Had a 24-point third quarter, perfect shooting, uh, just absolutely turned it on. That's a dude that's probably on track to make the NBA All-Star game, and you forced him to turn that on to beat you. That was kind of the important part, is that the the Jazz forced the Toronto Raptors to go out and beat them. This was not a game the Jazz showed up and just we're just happy here to play the game. No, they went and took it to Toronto and forced the Raptors to win that game. And considering how depleted the Jazz were, i got to say that's a very, very impressive showing for them. They are right back at it tonight. 5 o'clock, a tip in Indianapolis against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the good news is is some of the regulars are going to be back in the lineup. Our good friend Ben Anderson putting this out about 30 minutes ago, the Jazz injury report for today. So out, Joe Ingles and Rudy Gobert, of course, due to health and safety protocols. Malik Fitz, who played last night, it looked like late in the game he did uh, pick up another injury. He is out tonight with a right wrist injury, according to the Jazz injury report. So those three players will not play. Questionable, Royce O'Neal and Rudy Gay. O'Neal dealing with patellar patellar tendinitis, easy for me to say. And Rudy Gay out due to right heel uh, injury management. He obviously had offseason surgery on his heel. And then... uh, Two good good notes. Boyan Bogdanovich is probable due to a left finger sprain that he's been nursing, and Donovan Mitchell probable with a low left back strain. The two players left off this list. I don't. We I have not seen anybody say anything about it. Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley who missed last night's game. Uh, uh, Clarkson was listed out with lower back tightness, and Mike Conley, similar to Rudy Gay, was uh, right knee management. Uh, so. Maybe they're playing. Maybe they don't even put them on the injury report. So that could be four of your rotation guys could be back in tonight's game. And I think that'd be welcome news if you're a Jazz fan because that gives them an infinitely higher chance of beating the Indiana Pacers. Indeed. I think that the Pacers are still a team that's trying to figure out whether they want to blow it up or not. They better just blow it up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, probably smart to just blow it up at this point. But they're a middling NBA team. Mm Mm-hmm. If you get your some of your starters back, that should help you out. I think the Jazz should be able to get a win tonight. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, where it all shakes out in the end. But if you get some of those guys back, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, if Jordan Clarkson and or Mike Conley are available tonight, that makes you a much better team. And having Hassan Whiteside, who played last night, he's available 
It gives you the inside presence that you need, and you can play with that small ball lineup if need be, and Eric Paschal can probably play that five spot that Rudy Gay's been manning. And you and I talked about this earlier on before we go here, Eric, is the Eric Paschal, what he showed last night, a much more versatile offensive game than I think any of us thought he he had. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing I, that we didn't get to that I wanted to point out is I, I never realized just because he doesn't get a lot of playing time how long he is. Oh, yeah, he plays much bigger than his six-foot-five like, frame. He played a little bit of perimeter last night. Mm-hmm. They should really work that with him. They should because every every analyst in the entire world says, oh, the Jazz need a long wing defender. And if they can they develop him into that, and he played some wing last night and played pretty well, if they can develop him into that and he can come in in spurts and defend well during the playoffs, he is an absolutely awesome ad. Yeah, and obviously he, I, I think he's proven to be a, a, a capable piece for the Jazz roster. There's no doubt about that. And we'll see. Uh, if he develops into that, that'd be fantastic. They can just have some homegrown ability on that front rather than having to trade for it. So big opportunity ahead. Uh, pre-game coverage of that game starts at 4 o'clock here on the on the Zone Sports Network. Utah State coverage begins at 5.30. Eric will be producing that. Scott Gerard will be on the call for Utah State and New Mexico. So a full day ahead here on the Zone. A big thank you to all of you for joining us here on the Saturday show. Brought to you by our friends at Mountainland Supply. We'll be back next Saturday, 10 a.m. Join us then. This has been the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. See ya. Smoke them all away, not drink my food.